Good morning everybody and welcome to another service from SBC on the YouTube channel. I uh, hope you've got your cup of tea or coffee if that's what you do. Uh, if not, you might want to wait until after the service because there is an opportunity to meet on Zoom. For those of you that got the Zoom link to meet for tea and coffee after the service, so please do join us for that. How did last night go? I hope it was good. For those of you that took part in Surprise by Zoom, I hope you had a great night. Um, it's a bit strange because I'm recording this on Saturday morning, so it's tonight, and yet when you hear it, it, it was last night. So I can't tell you how hours went, but uh, I'm sure it was great. I'm looking forward to it, um, and we'll see what, what happens as a result. Just an opportunity to, to get together over Zoom and to have a bit of fun uh, and be with each other. So I hope that that's gone really well. Uh, Katrina just wants to say thank you to all of you who have been praying for her over the week. I know that maybe not everybody knows, but she fell down the stairs this time last week. Um, she was just literally on her way down for the morning service, missed the last step um, and went over on her ankle. I had to take her to A&E on Monday. Thankfully, it's not broken. She's got a lot of uh, tissue damage, so she's hobbling uh, along. Uh, yeah, barely hobbling, um, but she is getting out. But I just want to say a big thank you to those of you that have uh, uh, sent kind messages and things so thank you for that we're going to be singing this morning we're going to be praising god together that's a great thing to do i say together because i do feel there is something of a togetherness isn't there the reason why we stop this service from going out until 10 30 even though it's ready before is because we want people to be having that opportunity to feel like they're doing it together to watching at the same time and if you're doing that then you can come to coffee afterwards we've got a prayer meeting this afternoon at 4.30, please do join us for that. Uh, an opportunity just to pray for different things that are going on uh, and to think about different things. So please do come along to that, that'll be good. Um, we've got life groups again this week. We're continuing this series in 1 Peter. So that's what we're looking at. We've got reading and we've got uh, different things happening as part of the service. So as we head into that, let me pray so that we can uh, focus our hearts and our minds together. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we... We ask that you would be with us and help us to have a sense of togetherness, particularly this morning, Lord. Even though we're in our own front rooms, help us to know that we are joined by you, by your spirit, with other people that are watching this right now. And that in itself is an encouragement to us. Be with those who listen today, Lord, I pray, help them. Speak to them by your spirit, I pray. And help us all to bring glory to your name as we sing your praises and listen to your word. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. God bless, and I'll see you soon. Good morning. This morning's Bible reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 3, and we'll be reading from verses 1 to 12 in the NIV. Wives, in the same way submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner 
and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So we're at the halfway point in our series in 1 Peter. We've done four and we've got another four to come. There's, there's nine in the series, so this one is number five. And we're right smack bang in the middle. And I wonder how it's going for you. Have you enjoyed it? Um, maybe that's not the right question. Have you uh, been encouraged by it? Have you grasped it? Have you applied it? Have you been challenged by it? All of these different things that happen when we come to God's word together. Um, I'm hoping that that's been happening with you thinking over it, the, the concepts that Peter has introduced um, or, or just built on if you already know them. Uh, yeah, I just hope that there's been an encouragement for you uh, during this time, during this lockdown time. Uh, have you linked it with life groups? Have you been to life groups? And if so, has that gone well? Um, do let us know if it has or, or if it hasn't, um, because, you know, these are things that we try and plan and think through. This particularly was an opportunity to um, look at a, something on Sunday and then again in the life groups. We don't always do that, but but I think at times it's good. So if you don't, then, then let us know. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's nice to, to certainly for me as somebody who, who leads one, uh, to have had that opportunity to have thought about it on a Sunday and then take it to the group on the Thursday. Uh, it feels better. I've often thought in life groups or, or Bible studies, you, know, you, you come to the passage a bit cold, you just start reading it and you think, oh, you know, there's so much here. So to have had a sermon as an introduction hopefully is a help but let us know hopefully that's going well with you one of the things that i've said many times and often say is that, that you know one thing i love about the word of god is that it it's, it filters into all of our lives every area of our lives it is concerned about every area of our lives it's not saying you know be good on a sunday and do what you want the rest of the week it, god is interested in all of us in every aspect of who we are and we see that here today peter has been showing how he god chooses people hasn't he those who uh, realize they need him and come before him and humble themselves before him realize then that they're chosen i mean it's incredible isn't it but but that's the truth we don't realize it before but then when we see what the, the bible's teaching is on this we start to realise it afterwards that our, our worth, our identity, our love are supremely and first of all in him. That's where we get those things from. And we're going to go awry if we try and get them from other people first before him. And that's relevant for this section that we're looking at today. Knowing we're loved by God, knowing we're chosen by him. Uh, I said last week, didn't I, about this word submission. It comes up again today. Last week we were thinking about submitting to the authorities and, and how he moves from the, the big impersonal authority down to the relational authority. So we thought about the emperor and the governors, but then he talks about slaves 
masters. Slaves obeying their masters. Moves from the impersonal to the relational. And then today he makes it even more personal because he talks about wives and husbands. That really is personal, isn't it? That's not like you know, somewhere you go when you're there for a certain amount of time and then come back again. But this, this is somebody who lives your life, uh, who sees your life lived out. Because, how about this? The gospel not only affects how we live, it also affects where we live. One way of looking at this particular passage, it not only affects how we live, it affects where we live. What Peter is doing here is, is helping wives of unbelieving husbands to know how to act towards them in order to win them over. Knowing how to act towards unbelieving husbands in order to win them over. And he does that in two ways. He, well, he talks about two things effectively, which I just want to focus on today. This is going to be the, the bulk of the sermon. Two things. He talks about behaviour and beauty. Behaviour and beauty. Two things that others see, aren't they? Two things that others see. We thought about it a bit last week. One of the points was live good lives because people see. That was one of his points. Generally, people see. More specifically, masters see slaves in what they do. Husbands see wives in how they act and what they do. You know, nobody knows you like your own family, do they? The people that you live with. You know, I guess, you know, if you can say to me, how's lockdown gone? And I could give you a particular answer and I might think I'm being honest. But it's probably more likely that Katrina knows how my lockdown's gone. <laughs> or Jacob Amini or T, because they're, they're going to see it. You know, they'll know the times that I've been grumpy, when I've really been struggling, when I've been frustrated with things. And the times when I've been thinking, oh, yeah, it's great, it's fine, it's no problem, and we can get on. Because it's, it's shown, isn't it? Because it's very hard to hide it. We're, we're more like ourselves at home than anywhere else. People see. But also God sees, doesn't he? Verse 4, Peter talks about great worth in God's sight. So what he says here is, wives submit to your husbands so that they may be won over. In other words, think about your behaviour, not your words. They will see your behaviour. Now you often find this in families, this is just generally, so for Christians in general, you become a Christian and you, you have a joy and, and a sense of wanting to share that with other people. And so you, you tell other members of your family, immediate family, further family, a field, further apart, you know what I mean. Um, so you, you, you have this opportunity and, and you start to use these words, why this was really important to you. This thing's happened to me, it was great and I want to share it with you and this is why it's important and this is why I think you should think about who Jesus is and what he's done for you. Those things happen, don't they, within family and some people are interested and get converted and some people don't and they just sort of say no I'm not interested we had a, a friend over in Norwich who became a Christian because her sister was converted I think at university and, and then she said to her she said you know you really really got to think about the claims of Jesus now of course there was that trust there between the sisters and and she listened and she went along and she's a great member of the church over in Norwich very active in doing lots of things over there it's what happens but not everybody, not everyone in the family gets converted. And we see here sometimes with wives, we have wives and then we have unbelieving 
husbands. And the, the chances are, Peter knows that they've already shared their faith, they've already said what it is that's important to them, why we, they think Jesus is important. And then he moves on and he says, look, you really need to think now about your behaviour. It's important because that's something that they'll be watching. That's something that they will see. Don't keep badgering them, but show them. Live it out. Live out your Christian life in front of them. Show them how important it is that you're obeying Jesus. Wives of unbelieving husbands need to do this, says Peter, verse 2, so that they can win them over. When they see, you see this, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives, when they see the real Jesus shining through you, that will be a challenge to them. What he says. You know, reverence here is, is, a, is a reverence for God. When they see the purity and reverence, the purity towards God and the reverence for God that they have. Because of your love for God, submit to your husbands. Because it's about the behaviour that they see. Another thing people see is beauty. Now, you know, if your heart has immediately sunk and you're sort of looking at yourself thinking, well, you know, that's me out. I mean, I can't even get to the mirror, let alone look good in it. It's not that sort of beauty that Peter's talking about. That, that's the world's lie, isn't it? That, that's the, the outward beauty of the world that people fall for all the time. But often it's not produced from something inside. There are certain people that can make themselves look incredibly beautiful. But we don't really know what they're like on the inside. And verses 3 and 4 paint a picture of real beauty. It's not outward, but, but an inner beauty that shines outward. It shines through. Real beauty doesn't come from hairstyles and jewellery, says Peter, but from a gentle and quiet spirit. And it's unfading. If you've got that real beauty, and that's real shining out from you, it's an unfading beauty. Now, C.F. Lewis, I think, particularly thinking about these verses, picks up uh, these verses in, in, excuse me, in The Great Divorce. It's a great little book. I don't know if you've ever read this, but this is one of my favourite books. Um, and it, and it's, it's a guy who finds himself in hell after he dies, and there's a bus trip up to heaven. And he goes on this bus trip and he gets given a guide so he can have a look around. And it's just different stories of different people who are there. And it's very helpful, I think. Um, it, you know, C.S. Lewis says, you know, it may not well be like this. I'm not, it, it's, it's a story, you know, as he often says, doesn't he? But he is, does make points out of it. And this one particular point he makes is about this inner beauty. And he, he does it about a woman. He says, this, this guy's in heaven and the guide is with him. Uh, and, and, he, and he turns and he sees this sort of parade as this, as this lady starts to, to move towards somebody. And, and, and everything's going on around her. Lots of things are happening around her. And this is what he says. On the left and right, at each side of the Forest Avenue came youthful shapes, boys upon one hand and girls upon the other. If I could remember their singing and write down the notes, no man who read that score would ever grow sick or old. Between them went musicians, and after these, a lady in whose honour all this was being done. And only partly do I remember 
the unbearable beauty of her face. Wait, is it? Is it? I whispered to my guide. Not at all, said he. It's someone you'll never have heard of. Her name on earth was Sarah Smith and she lived at Golders Green. She seems to be, well, a person of particular importance, I said. Oh, aye, she's one of the great ones. But you've heard that fame in this country and fame on earth are two quite different things. And all those young men and women on each side, oh, they're her sons and daughters. Well, she must have had a really large family, sir. Well, every young man or boy that met her became her son. Even if it was only the boy that brought the meat to the back door. Every girl that met her became her daughter. Isn't that a bit hard on their own parents? Well, no. See, there are those who steal other people's children, but her motherhood was of a different kind. Those on whom it fell went back to their natural parents, loving them more. You see, C.S. Lewis is trying to show that she had this inner beauty. Nobody on earth really apart from those she came into contact with, what had anything to do with her. She wasn't famous in any way. She'd never been on Instagram or, or Facebook or YouTube or whatever it was. There was no way of self-promotion. She just loved quietly and gently. And that shone. And it's something like something of heaven shining on earth. When you see that real beauty. See, that's what he's seen to explain. I think it's probably his thoughts on these verses when he's sharing that story. An inner beauty that made her so outwardly beautiful in heaven that when he looked, he described it as an unbearable beauty of her face. It's something so pure that came through her love for the Lord and it was shining through. And I think you probably know something of what I'm saying. You probably grasp it. You, you know there is a, a sense of some inner beauty that shines through people, some people, and you see it. And, and I think, you know, sometimes when you read some of these passages in, in, the, in the Bible, like we, uh, at the end of chapter two about, about Jesus, you see something of it there. It's an, an inner self beauty. The, the unfading beauty of a, <clears throat> a gentle and quiet spirit of, which is of great worth in God's sight, Peter says in verse 4. You see that? And God sees it. A behaviour and a beauty that shines to those who are close. That God sees. Now, look, Peter's not saying, don't think about your outward appearance. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is, don't think that's what beauty is really about. Because it isn't. It isn't. Okay, so behavior, beauty, um, I think that's what Peter's talking about. But we can't really attack this section and think about this section without thinking about contemporary issues, can we? 
Uh, as I said last week, this word submission is not a popular word. I guess for a lot of wives, this word gets the, the hackles up. Um, something you think, oh, that's not me, I'm not doing that. But you know, Peter here uses this phrase in the same way. Do you recognise that? He used it in verse 1, and then he used it again in verse 7, in the same way. What does he mean? Well, he's been talking about submission to authorities. He's been talking about submission by uh, slaves to their masters. And now he's talking about submission from wives to husbands. So you could say, well, it's that in the same way, this submission thing. But he's done something really important after talking about submission to slaves and masters. And I think actually this is what he's referring to. He's referring to verses 21 to 25. In the same way as Jesus acted, wives submit to your husbands. In the same way that Jesus acted, husbands be considerate and respect your wives. We look at somebody in verses 21 to 25 of chapter 2 who trusted God and remain faithful to him, who put God first, even in the most extreme suffering, who thought of the gospel above his own rights, who was prepared to die to remain faithful to God. That's what we've seen in verses 21 to 25. And the teaching to wives in the light of the cross is then to submit to your husbands, to win them over for Christ in this context. Husbands do not have the right to demand submission. We can't flip this round and say, well, you know, you've got to submit, you've got to obey me. We can't do that. As husbands, it's up to the wife to willingly submit because she belongs to Jesus, because she knows God. It's a voluntary action on the part of the wife. And as I've already said, verse 7 shows how the husbands need to be considerate and treat them with respect. Now, Peter's not saying that wives are inferior to husbands. He's not saying that women are inferior to men. Men and women in the New Testament are equal. That's very important. Jesus valued women in his ministry. You can see it with Mary and Martha. You see it with his own mother. You, you see it with different episodes. Just to think of a few, he used one woman to seek to evangelise a whole nation, the Samaritans, John 4, the woman at the well. He saved a woman from death who had been caught in adultery, John chapter 8. You know, by the time we get to the end of the Gospels, God does something incredible. God uses women to testify to the cross and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that is a staggering thing to do, considering in that day they were not classed as reliable witnesses. The problem course is that all the big strong reliable men have run off scared the women are still there and God uses the women as the witnesses who were there as Jesus dies on the cross and are the first in the tomb to see and testify to the resurrection so submission does not imply inferiority the wife willingly submits to her husband because of her relationship with and trust in God. She's putting him first. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Peter, in his teaching, hasn't focused on those in authority. He's focused on those under authority. So there's no letter to the emperor 
or to the governors. There's nothing to slave masters here. It's about those two who are under authority. And yet in verse 7, there is something to husbands. He breaks with what he's been doing. You might say, well, there's not much. But the point is there's something. Because he's not really writing to them. He just wants to make them realise and understand and grasp that they have a responsibility. He's, he's using this picture of Jesus on the cross to show how to submit to authority. And he wants to make sure that husbands are aware of their responsibility towards their wives. To be considerate and to treat them with respect. And then he calls them the weaker partner. And that's when everyone starts, you know, the whole thing starts to fall down. And you think, well, you know, that's it then, isn't it? I mean, if that's what he thinks. But what does he mean? What does he mean? Well, I, I, I think, honestly, he just means physically. <laughs> he just means physically weaker. Not inferior in any way, shape or form. It's just that men and women are built differently. They're different. Now, look, this is a generalisation, of course, but it is a generalisation. There'll be lots of women in this world that are stronger than me. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever won a, an arm wrestle with anybody, man or woman. So, I mean, I'm not one to talk about great physical strength, particularly. But generally, men are stronger than women, physically. Now, we see this in sport, don't we? We have tennis, we have men's and we have women's. We have football, we have men's and we have women's. In athletics, we have men's and we have women's. And it's because of the physical makeup. And this is a problem today, isn't it? When a man wants to identify as a woman, it causes huge problems in competitive sport. It's not as easy as saying, oh, okay, well, you know, well, you can be whatever you want to be. Well, no, actually, you can't when it comes to this area because that's not how you're built. And, you know, the other thing is this wouldn't have been shocking then. It, it is now, isn't it? This phrase of wives submitting to husbands. It wouldn't have been shocking then for them. And, you know, Peter's not having a go at women. He's seeking to help them see how they can best win others over for Christ. He's saying this is how you put God first. And there's no justification here for abusive husbands. In fact, the opposite, isn't it? An abuser is not treating the physically weaker with respect or being in any way considerate. So husbands have a responsibility. There's absolutely no doubt about it. You know, when I was at Bible college, a friend shared a story with me that his minister had said to him before he left. He said, look, he said, if you fail Greek, but you come out still married, that is success. Now, he wasn't saying, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, don't worry about your studies, just focus all your time on your wife. He wasn't saying that. What he was saying was, and he knew the reality of this, is you can get so immersed in what you're there to be doing that you can forget who you've gone with. Don't neglect your wife. You know, if you fail Greek, because actually that really big Greek test is coming up, but you know your wife needs some time out and some you know, maybe a meal or just, just to be able to relax and rest. And, you know, she comes first. It was a great piece of advice because I failed Greek. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Wives and husbands both have responsibilities. And they're different, so they have different responsibilities. But that doesn't mean that they're not equal. You know, Peter shows the equality here, I think, in a great way. I don't, you might even miss this. But it just comes out in that great line in verse 7. In God's eyes, men and women are equal. Men and women, husbands and wives, are both 
heirs of the gracious gift of life. He's talking about heaven again, isn't he? We need one eye on it when we're suffering. We need one eye on it always, but especially when we're suffering. You know, in case you've never understood this, let me just spell it out for you. Christianity is not about rights. It's about grace. God gives by his grace and then sets about putting right. We need to understand what God wants our attitudes to be so that we can then work on them rather than just giving to our natural impulses. So finally, this last section, I just want to refer to it. You can look at it a bit more deeper in, in life groups, but I just want to think about quickly just this last section. It, it, it just gives us a, a statement, if you like, of, of, or some practical advice of how to live under grace, how to live under grace. And notice he doesn't use words like today's buzzwords, does he? He's not calling the, the exiles to be confident. He's not telling them to be assertive. He's not telling them to be powerful. Not at all. His words are outward thinking about how we affect other people. He's thinking about unity. He says, be like-minded, be sympathetic. If issues are going to start to arise, then you know, try and understand it from the other person's point of view. Enter into that situation. Think of the other and the situation that they're in. He, he talks about love. Again, love. He's already mentioned it. I don't know how many times. Love one another. This is what he wants to be ringing in our ears as we keep reading through this letter. He talks about being compassionate and being humble. If you think about this, these are words of community. Of seeking the good of others in community. These are building up words for the church family, aren't they? That's what Peter wants us to be thinking on. He uses Psalm 34 to help us to see how God is good and we should be too. It's good that we will overcome evil with through our behaviour and our beauty. Now, I love this little phrase. See this in Psalm 34, Peter brings it up here. If we would love life and see good days. I mean, what a great little phrase. If... If we would love life and, and see good days, we need to keep our tongue from evil and our lips from deceitful speech. We can't overcome evil with evil. It has to be confronted and overcome with good. These are attitudes that we need to have and, and things that we need to work on. Not just rely on our inner selves, but as the spirit is working in us, we need to think about how we react to certain situations. And they're counterintuitive. You know, if someone insults you, you want to insult them right back again. We want to do that. We want them to feel the pain that they've made us feel. We want to get our own back. But the example of 221 to 25 is still there for us. Remember Jesus. Jesus overcame evil with good. And he will give us the strength to as well. We've been given the gracious gift of life. And under his grace, he will help us. It means we can submit to the authorities in the right way. It means that we can behave in the right way and an inner beauty will shine through us. And we can do it because we've seen somebody who has done it.
the Lord Jesus himself. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that we can have an inner beauty that shines through. We thank you that we can behave in the right way because we've been given that gracious gift of life. Oh Lord, help us to humble ourselves, we pray, and to work on these attitudes of uh, love and compassion and humility and like-mindedness and sympathy in situations that you may build and continue to build your community. Help us to do it in whatever context we're in as a church, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing again and then uh, if you want to join us for tea and coffee, then get on Zoom. See you soon. God bless. <laughs>